Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. I'm Erin Barnes and the host of the show, and today is a super special day. I don't have a single co-host. Uh, I've got four co-hosts. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the You Teach program and kind of um, how Epic is not just working to make sure we've got the best teachers in line, but Really, we're kind of helping the state of Oklahoma get more teachers in the program. And so I thought, uh, what better way to talk about this than to bring Dr. Patricia Cook online and three of uh, our UTeach cohort. Uh, you guys are cohort two now, right? Did you, you finish the program and now you're in your second year of this? Yes, they have moved into UTeach Plus. They have crossed the finish line with certification and they are in year two of learning to be a fabulous educator. All right. So I'm going to go around the horn here, uh, and I know that this will eat some time, but um, I think it's important to know uh, who each of you are. Um, basically, I want to know a little bit about you, uh, and then I want to know why you came to Epic. And um, Dr. Cook, you've been here for forever, but uh, go ahead and, and do the same thing. So let's let's start um, and then just uh Whoever wants to jump in next, go for it. All right. So, uh, all right. Go ahead, I'll Dr. Kick Cook. us off. Uh, my name is Patricia Cook, and uh, I started it with Epic in August of 2015 as a special education teacher. I've also worked um, as a assistant principal, worked in our BLCs, worked in our uh, special ed department as compliance, and most recently have gotten to be the first support specialist for the first cohort of you teach teachers that went through. So that was really exciting for me, Erin, because I am an alternatively certified special education teacher. When I came to the profession, I did not have a degree in this area. I didn't have um, anyone kind of leading me through that journey. Um, I, I took some classes here. I took some classes there. I uh, had to move because of my husband's career, so switched universities. And, you know, it, it took me a really long time. I ended up getting a master's. Actually, I have two master's and a doctorate in the pursuit of a teacher certification. And so when Epic came to me and said, hey, we would like to support teachers in getting a certification, help provide financial support, as well as mentorship. Um, that that's how I came about into the program and, and have loved every minute of it since. Awesome. I'm Elizabeth Stidham. I am originally from Western Oklahoma, Moreland, Oklahoma, a very small town. And my parents are actually lifelong public school teachers. They're both retired now, but still do some substituting. So I definitely grew up in education and around teaching. I, my background's in journalism. I used to actually be a news reporter at KTUL in Tulsa and then moved to Durant, Oklahoma for a few years and worked in higher education at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. But I really loved working with college students and that experience. I worked in admissions and recruitment, so definitely had that education component. And then when I came back to Tulsa, one of my friends has been with Epic since the beginning and 
I've always watched what she did and saw how much she loved teaching with Epic. And so when the You Teach program kind of popped up last year, I messaged her about it and said, you know, what do you know about this? And she said, you need to apply. You need to do this. You need, you know, this would be such a great step to get into teaching. And it's been great. Um, I had thought about switching to education for a short point in college and did not. And so I think it's interesting how you can always circle back and have opportunities to get involved and try something new. And you never know how life, how those life paths will work out. Well, I don't know uh, how this life path might change, but uh, I don't know if you know that the You Teach program is uh, under me, and I mean not You Teach, uh, ENN program is under me, and so we may have to uh, talk later about you coming from the teaching uh, everything side to teaching journalism and broadcasting side. I don't know, just saying. <laughs> I do like journalism and broadcasting for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, who's next? So my name's Christopher Young. And I am a uh, special education teacher here at Epic. I started with a cohort five in the SPED community. And um, so I had an unusual journey here. As I've talked to many of my cohort members, they've all seemed to have unusual journeys as well. But after college, the career that I had from my degree being computer science was not really the, the life I envisioned for myself living in a cubicle. So I took about a year and a half off from writing code and programming computers to be a substitute teacher. So 2004, 2005, I was a substitute teacher. And substitute teaching to me is is a different type of teaching by far. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I also needed a little bit more money than that I had to offer. So I took another career and stayed in that career for 10 years. And then I had the opportunity to go to China. And I went to China and found that teachers were paid well, respected, and uh, there was a bunch of opportunities for me. So I was a teacher there for a number of years, about six years, I believe, up until the pandemic happened. And then the pandemic happened, like, uh oh, well, if I've got to be locked up somewhere, I want to be locked up in my own country. I want to be, if I have to be at home, I'm going to be at home in my own country. So I came back. And we enrolled my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, into Epic. And at that time, I saw, once again, an opportunity for a career. So I applied, and thankfully, Dr. Cook and Dr. Keeney created this wonderful program where I can now become a certified teacher and doing what I've loved to do for these last uh, several years. So that's how that's my journey. That's so you were in China during the breakout. Yes, I was. Yeah. Did Actually, people freak out about people. that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, just sorry. I, I told you I chased squirrels, so I apologize. All right, yeah. and I was in a, I was in Chengdu, which was fairly close to the Sichuan province. There, so it's in the Sichuan province. Wow. All right, and last but not least, I had to get that cough out of there. Um, my name is Jamin Brayson Gray, and I am a teacher here at Epic. Uh, let's see, my background is in entrepreneurship and marketing. Um, before coming to Epic, I spent the last uh, 10 years uh, teaching internationally to a multilingual constituency. I was teaching swing dancing, out of all things, if you can imagine that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was a tremendous amount of fun. I have a young family, so I realized at some point I needed to come off the road 
And in doing so, I thought, you know, I still like teaching. Like, what, how am I going to use this type of skill set? Um, so I thought about it. Our kids were involved with Epic, and I had another teacher had mentioned it. And I thought, maybe this is an opportunity for me to look into it. And so I did, and I joined the UTeach program and hit the ground running. It's been such an amazing experience uh, working with all the leadership. I feel like it was a great balance of learned knowledge and activity knowledge and coaching, and it was just all around a great program for me. I think my experience teaching internationally has made me a bit more sensitive to the need for like diversity. And when I use that word diversity, I'm specifically talking about like cultivating uh, an environment that embraces unique approaches to learning and problem solving. And those were kind of the things that I learned in having to do international travel and teaching. So I'm really excited to be a part of the Epic family. I'm really excited you're a part of the Epic family. You're going to have to start all over because I was completely distracted by your clarinet and your Bonhoeffer book in the background. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> heard it all but I was distracted for a second like what is that in the background I recognize that book anyway okay go ahead teach here in Oklahoma City because me and my wife we actually met at a dance class uh I possibly did I teach swing dancing like 1930s American swing dancing did you ever teach at 360 yes you did okay oh my word Maybe we dance, Christopher. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So. That's so cool. Well, and I mean, not only are you guys from incredibly diverse backgrounds, um, but you're across the state as well. Uh, Christopher, as you were talking, your journey was so much like my husband's. Uh, my husband uh, was a marketing major. And I mean, as soon as he graduated, the idea of sitting in a cubicle was not... <laughs> It was not ideal. So he became a Tulsa police officer for eight years. <laughs> yeah. And then he left the PD to come teach at Epic. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's a world um, that, that we get a lot of different backgrounds from. And a lot of people trying to escape what they originally thought they wanted to do. So I thought that was cool. I don't know if you guys have read this book uh, or know who James Altucher is. Um, he's, yeah, he's got the weird hair. Yeah. He's got the weird hair. Yeah. yeah. He's a podcaster. He does all these weird things, but he's also an author. And this book reinvent yourself was talking about all the different ways that we can start over. And that like, we're in this group of people, like, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm guessing we're in kind of the same generational band gap there, uh, where we're like the first generation of people that are not staying in the same career for their entire life. You know, our fathers, uh, their fathers, I mean, and unless they were disrupted by um, the Great Depression or something, like they say they did the same thing over and over and over and that our generation is just not, um, it's not doing that. And so reinventing yourself after five, 10 years is not uncommon these days. I just... Uh, I thought that that was really interesting. Um, so how do you think what you were doing in the past, okay, uh, how do you think what you were doing in your current, I mean, in your, your previous roles, however many there were, are going to lend a helping hand to the role you're in now teaching kiddos? What, what, do, what, is the, what does your previous experience bring to the table? I can jump in again. I'll start. There we go. Well, obviously working in higher education, I think, has a lot of carryover just because I was helping students get into college and with the college admission requirements and ACT testing and, 
you know, working with students through that process. And so I hope that that experience translates. I have a lot of high school students this year with Epic. So I really enjoy the career planning, um, the college planning piece for them and making sure that they're prepared and ready for what comes next after Epic. So I think that definitely translates. And even with the younger kids, just to keep them inspired and to keep them knowing what possibilities there are for them. Um, we definitely have some students who would be first-generation college students. And so I think when you can encourage them and you know show them different paths, that's always great. And then I think probably the journalism side, well, I got my uh, teaching certification in English, so the journalism side definitely helps with that, just the writing and, and communicating well and um, hopefully working with students on that as well. Awesome. Christopher, how about you? What what uh, do you think your past experiences will bring to the table? So I think that the most skills that I got that apply themselves directly to Epic is building my own schedule. So that's, that's very unique to Epic. It's not like you show up to school and here's your lesson plan and you're teaching sixth grade every day, all day. Um, so building my own schedule and kind of that kind of customer service relationship aspect. I think that's something very unique that I built in my travels is learning how, okay, I need to deal with this person individually and their specific needs and also how to fit their, their schedule in with my schedule and how to make that mesh so that I'm not running all over town all day and accomplishing nothing. So. It is so easy to do here. Like so easy to do here. I would say, don't get me wrong. There's days like that. <laughs> Thankfully, not most of them. Yes. Uh, Jamin, how about you? What do you think uh, with your past experiences? What what will your students find in you? It's such a great question. I mean, just initially, when I think about it, I had to speak to a lot of people who didn't speak English. And so in many cases, I had to use a translator, and I had to really think about the words coming out of my mouth and with the context of, are they really useful? Are they effective? Are they something that the person can take and make an action that's worthwhile with it. And so I think I have a heightened sense of sensitivity to a, a student's uh, perspective and their attention span. And even if I'm being effective as a teacher, um, mainly because I just didn't have the luxury of using idiomatic expressions and anything like that, I had to really focus in to, to think, you know, is what I'm saying something that's useful and can it be acted upon right now? And so I, I think a lot of those experiences in terms of communication have really helped me um, as a teacher of dance be able to translate that skill set into a, a more systematic, uh, traditional approach of teaching. For sure. I mean, not even idioms, but just uh, the words that we use in English sometimes. I mean, I was at church camp this summer and... Uh, three girls are sitting in this like challenge swing where it's up so high and they're about to swing, you know, and, uh, the kid running the, the platform says, all right, tug on the rope behind you. And this little Hispanic girl, like she just threw the rope because she didn't really understand what tug meant. And so she just thought, well, I'm supposed to get rid of the rope somehow. And so then it was kind of an ordeal to get the rope back in her hands. My daughter was on the swing with her and uh, they sat up there for kind of a minute trying to get that rope back in her hands because, and she's a translator, like at, at church, she's a big part of translating for us, but just still some of those words, uh, they don't translate over uh, when, when you use them. So really, really cool. 
I like that. Yes, Dr. Cook, I see you. Yeah, well, I was just thinking that story that you just told is so indicative of the experience of new families coming to Epic. Uh, our model is so different, and there is a transition period of getting set up, figuring out your schedule, being able to shift gears from being the parent to being you know, the in-person teacher, and then also making sure that all the things that are on the list that the, the administrative team and the teacher at Epic have asked you to do get done. And so uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting is we did a little survey of all of the UTeach teachers to kind of find out that background. And we had more than 30% of the people come back with a background in business. We had 10% with a background in health services. And then we also have um, a, a significant portion, uh, about 6%, that have a military experience. And so that ability to communicate instructions clearly is really key because uh, before we can move on to the art and science of teaching and making the magic happen of learning, we've all got to get on the same page. And so we, we've got to know how to tell parents how to tug that rope. And I know some, you three don't know, Dr. Cook and I have spoken about this, and I know my listeners uh, know, but I'm a high school dropout. Uh, I did not like school. I didn't like to be told how and when, and I didn't get it. I needed a different way. Um, I firmly believe that if I'd been given a couple more months in fourth grade, I could have gotten through it and not been held back. And then uh, high school came and I was just like, nope, not for me. Uh but I now have a master's degree and I'm pursuing, you know, several other avenues right now, too. So it's not that I didn't like learning. I just needed a different way. So, uh, Jamin, some of the things you're saying really hit me there as well. Um, but in Epic, I was just saying in a previous, I mean, in an episode, I think it'll come out after this. one. I don't know when it's going to come out. Anyway, uh, I was talking about it took me about four years to figure out my role as a parent and teacher in this program. Like, you know. Epic is holding me to such and such standards. I've got to make sure I'm, you know, checking the boxes, but it's not what my kid needs yet. And so there were, there were times that I was like really trying to force learning to hit the boxes. And I finally had to say, listen, I might not look good on this spreadsheet right this second, but we're going to get there. Don't you worry. And so figuring out how to parent and teach and then trying to compartmentalize those things because I, I found out I was stacking punishment, honestly, uh, on my kiddos. Like, you didn't get your schoolwork done. You got to be on this. You didn't clean your room. And where's the trash? Like, you know, these things that no other kid in any other school is going to get in trouble for. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard. And Dr. Cook and I have spoken at a lot of my research for my master's degree was on, does this model work? And we found, once we peeled back all these layers, that it takes uh, an epic teacher about a year and a half to become an epic teacher. Uh, for a year and a half, you're still like learning the ropes. Oh yeah, having these aha moments in it. It takes the student three years to become fully in the epic program. And that's three years with the same teacher. So if a family is moving from teacher to teacher to teacher, and I'm on my second teacher this school year, which can get difficult, you know, um, Every time that teacher moves, there's a little bit of loss. And so a third-year student with a third-year teacher, exponential growth. But finding out if it works for you and if you're the right fit for this type of model, I mean, if, if the family can't be involved, it's, it's 
going to be ridiculously hard. And a lot of people will end up saying, ah, this program wasn't for me, but they just didn't give it the time or it really isn't for them. (laughs) And you guys have to know, you know, too, how to have those conversations. Hey, you know, I get that you work two jobs and you want this for your kiddo. I, I get that, but it's not for your kiddo if you can't be there. And those are really difficult conversations to have. We have to have high support for these kiddos. Uh, Dr. Cook, what's the training look like? Well, you know, in the UTeach program, we're not only teaching first-year EPIC teachers about how to use a different model and technology and the different supports available, we're also talking about pedagogy. And pedagogy is the education lingo word that is the art and science of teaching. What is the order that we do things? How do we present ourselves uh, as a representative of the profession. And so um, this year we partnered with the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence, and they provide an online pathway uh, to get a certification in Oklahoma. That involves a um, very rigorous study program for um, the professional teaching knowledge. And then they also have to demonstrate mastery of a content area that may be history or science or math or English. And uh, that is a really hard study program as well because they're using a national curriculum. You know, people talk about where Oklahoma ranks in that uh, 50 state list of quality of education, these guys had to pass a test, and everyone on this podcast did that, um, but they had to pass a test that makes them one of the top educators in 16 states, not just in Oklahoma. You guys so, um, are awesome. One of the, the Latin proverbs that I've kind of uh, read recently, I've been clinging to, is by learning, you will teach, and by teaching, you will learn. So these guys had to not only learn content area and professional teaching knowledge. Last year, they served in a teacher residency, and that offered them a one-on-one perspective with a mentor, but also a cohort of teachers to go through the program with. So there were 20 other people that were exactly in the same stage of learning as they were. And so through that teacher residency, the content area exam, the professional teaching exam, and Chris he got an extra one. Chris also got cert, uh, certified in special education to a boot camp with the state department. So um, definitely a lot of work, like like a full-time job and going to grad school at the same time. So um, really excited about seeing these guys cross the finish line. They're certified. They can teach in any school in Oklahoma. That's wicked awesome. And uh, for those that, that are listening that maybe haven't passed the test yet, just so you know, I feel you. Uh, uh, I did not pass, I passed my OGET, had to take the OSAT twice, had to take the OPTI twice, and I literally chose a grad school that I didn't have to take the GRE to get into. So I am not a test taker, uh, but uh, I am an impact maker. And so I <laughs> try to try not to get discouraged whenever I don't pass those tests. So, but, yeah, but we, it's still a possibility. Absolutely. We talk about all the time certification to become a teacher is a journey. It's a stupid journey. Well, we're trying to minimize the time, maximize the learning, and to help them get across that finish line so they don't have to kind of go on a really long, you know, trek with with turns and twists like I did. But uh, we were so excited to see these guys get across the finish line because now they get to go make impact with students. No doubt. Uh, Elizabeth, 
what is the most eye-opening experience you've had since becoming a teacher here at Epic? Well, one that just comes to mind, but you just see how so many of these students, Epic serves them in a way that they have not been served by traditional school or by a traditional homeschool. I have a family that they are homeless. Um, The daughters have not been, the two children haven't really been in school for several years. They were homeschooled, but weren't really getting much of an education. And so the oldest daughter to see her progress last year and to see what an impact Epic has made. And at the beginning we struggled. I mean, she had not done schoolwork for a long time. And so we struggled, but she ended the year with C's and B's. And this year she's got B's and A's. And I think that's been really exciting just to see her progress and to see how this model of school has worked for her yeah, and for her family. So there have definitely been some situations like that that, you know, I guess break your heart a little bit, but also you see the impact that you can make. For sure. Uh, if you were in the, I mean, nothing against brick and mortar, and I've worked in brick and mortar, but you don't see some of that when you get the kiddo every day. You may hear that they're homeless, but watching them pack things from place to place is, is a totally different experience than uh, just seeing them walk through and, and hearing that they stayed on a, a different couch last night. You know, you are with them in the place to place to place, and it's a totally different experience. Yes, uh, Christopher, sure. how about you? What are some of the most eye-opening things you've seen uh, since becoming a teacher? You know, I think it's the same. Uh, I build straight off of that, which is the, the social aspect of it. Kind of the social work, almost, that goes into being a teacher, especially in SPED, uh, but really any teacher here at Epic, um, is not something that I was really exposed to in my previous roles. Not being a substitute teacher and not teaching in China, that was never really something that that came to my mind. And it was front and center as soon as I became a teacher here. I've had, unfortunately, students um, attempt suicide. I've had homeless students. Um, the, the wide range, you know, when I have a conversation with one of my students, oftentimes the first question is not, how did you do an inventum? It's not anything academic. It's a list of how are you doing? How is, is your life? Are you okay? You know, do you need anything? Those are some of the first questions. And that's not really what I pictured a teacher as doing. Um, but it is some of the most valuable work that I do. Absolutely. Those personal personal connections. Uh, I mean, everybody says that you got to you got to know the kid before you can teach the kid, and and we Absolutely. definitely get to know them here for sure. Uh, Jamin, how about you? What what are some of the experiences that you've found uh, here this year and last? Well, I think I think I would have to first off just mirror what Christopher has said because I, I feel so many times when I engage with families, there's there's a social aspect that I could not have seen before unless I was in that situation to help them. And, you know, seeing that there's so much potential to be a positive influence on a young person's mind than I thought before. And, you know, just thinking back on my childhood, I wish, you know, back when I was in school, you know, someone could have helped me connect my education um, and to the real world, how I could transfer that. And really to help me with those intangible qualities of my philosophy and how I need to think about things and, and positivity. I just think 
the epic model allows for that type of nuance bridge to take place between the teacher and the family. And so sometimes the, the teacher is the only positive thing that they have. And I've noticed that in many of the families and it's really exciting to know I get to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty eye opening. Um, I, so my oldest has been in epic since pre-K. Uh, she's a, a ninth grader now. And in seventh grade, she decided she wanted to go to the brick and mortar up the street. And it crushed me. Like, I was like, no, I don't think so. We're doing this. And and uh, she's like, Mom, you know, you're with me at home. You teach me. You volunteer at all my church events. You're always with me. Where am I supposed to learn independence if you're always with me? And I thought, wow, kid, all right, you're going up the street. And so she goes up the street. And within the first two weeks, her biggest complaint was like, they're just so immature because, you know, she's at home with adults, uh, you know, most of the time. And, and we have adult conversations, not like X-rated or anything, but we, we don't uh, dumb down the vocabulary around here, except for I'll throw in the word stupid every once in a while. You've already seen that. Um, but uh, but they found that, like, she was advanced in math and wanted to put her in a higher math than even I thought. I thought we were kind of low, you know, but it just it goes to the standard of which we've put out there. And I was pleasantly surprised that they didn't want to kick her out or hold her back or anything like that. But she ended up coming home after um, seven, full seventh grade. She came home at the nine week mark in eighth grade because she's like, I, I can't do this anymore. I got, I got to be back. So I think that we're teaching kids how to make wiser decisions here as well. I mean, she had to make that decision. If I had made it, then she would have been like, mommy, you forced me, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think in, in a lot of ways, we're teaching kids how to manage their time differently or manage their time best appropriate for them, um, how to have better conversations. And, and you know, uh, the, the education, the, the standards part of education, it's going to come with it. But the, the whole child is being uh, administered to here. So I think that that's pretty awesome. I also love, I just wanted to, I feel like we talked about some of the hard situations, yeah. but I also see so many families that this is just such a good fit. Like I have a student, she gets to do karate two days a week. And Friday they go to kind of a fun little homeschool cohort group and they do activities and some little classes, but they just have so much more family time and flexibility. And so... I love working with those families too, just seeing how the Epic model now, fits their families needs more. I think it was like three years ago. Um, so you guys might've missed it, but if you had any uh, clue into our social media, you'd have seen it because we were super proud of her. Um, we had a, a student who was a model and she was in France half the year doing her schoolwork, but also modeling. We've got um, a student now who is in California three months out of the year doing like the, the super audition, you know, stuff. Uh, she's been in a couple of movies, a couple of TV shows. We've got pro kids that are doing sports professionally now, but they're able to do it because they've got school that's flexible to them. Um, you know, We've got a lot of rodeo kids here. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, a lot of rodeo kids. And because it's not a school-sanctioned sport, those kids would have absences like crazy because they have to miss every Friday, sometimes miss Mondays because those rodeos happen Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if they're far, then you're going to have to drive back and not be in school on Monday. But we don't have those kinds of absences. Kids can work ahead or catch up. Um, 
I had a kiddo two years ago, graduated at age 15, was accepted into OU. Uh, He was a salutatorian, not a valedictorian, but 15 years old, man, like in any other world, he would, he'd still be a ninth grader. You know, that's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Well, and you know, my children, um, my personal children uh, were with Epic during the pandemic. Uh, my daughter actually stayed, you know, an extra year over what my husband did. And uh, she's a ninth grader now, so everyone pray for me. I'm um, sorry, she's a 10th grader. Golly, I don't even know what grade my kid is in. But um, the point is, she's very much smarter than me. Okay, so I definitely know that she's outpaced mom in a lot of different ways. And one of the things that I loved about Epic, um, speaking about those positives, Elizabeth, like you said, um, was the opportunity she had with National Junior Honor Society. Uh, she had the opportunity to take the ACT as a ninth grader. Uh, we were looking at the possibilities of college enrollment as a sophomore or junior while attending Epic. Um, and uh, she has since returned to our brick and mortar school, uh, but absolutely a similar experience. She's very advanced in her math. Um, she's really not having those struggles that high school students in brick and mortar have about, you know, getting their assignments turned in and, and having good independent study habits and, and being able to kind of really take ownership of their learning. And so um, it's really fabulous uh, to have my, you know, 15, almost 16 year old come and report to me what she's learning, um, what successes she's having and really feel that self pride you know, job well done with their academics. So that, that was a priceless experience. And I'm so thankful to Epic for that in my own family. Yeah. Uh, that same 15 year old kid, it was so funny. Um, when they first started coming to us, uh, so my students met here at my house, which is a different experience because my own kids are in Epic. I was able to kind of have a one room co-op, one room schoolhouse type experience. And we had these chickens and they were free range chickens. And this chicken was on the back porch and that little kid who I think he was maybe a third or fourth grader at the time, um, super advanced. Like we're, we're literally in conversations about don't hold my kid back in math. Don't hold my kid back in this. Don't hold my kid back. And the kid goes running by in the most awkward, like, nah, you know, run <laughs> chasing a chicken. And my husband was like, ma'am, your genius is chasing my chicken on the back porch. <laughs> Absolutely. They're still kids. They're, They're still kids. kids. They still get to be kids, but we have to do the whole child. But like a lot of what we were doing was um, catching the kiddo up to his immaturity, to his academic self. So, uh, well, And I'd love to hear from the teachers. You know, you guys went through a really rig- rigorous online study program and an exam. Like, how does that experience help you when you're working with students who are trying to make those gains in math and reading? You know, you, you got to be the student and the teacher at the same time. Got a lot more sympathy for them, that's for sure. <laughs> that, was, that was a tough program. It was a I, tough. Uh, I've gone into, I've started my uh, master's program in education now. And uh, I, I feel like the master's program is easier than the UTeach program was. So it was a pretty rigorous course of study. But, you know, I can use that to say, you know, look, this is how you study. This is how you can do it. And this is how you can get through it. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it makes, you know, be, we're doing this to make our lives better and to have an impact on people around us. And if they see me doing that, uh, sometimes they can relate to me a little bit better. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Christopher's hit it right on the head. I think context 
is everything. You know, when a kid knows that you're in the process of growing, um, also as an adult and as a teacher, they can empathize with you and, and the learning begins to be reciprocal. And, you know, for me, I think that is one of the greatest challenges uh, to help young people recognize that the people who are teaching them were once young people, not just in word, but really, we were young people. We had to learn and we had to grow and we had to remain coachable. And even though we are adults and we have different responsibility, it doesn't mean that we've totally abdicated this idea of continual growth and, and pursuing something more. So, yeah, what Christopher said is spot on. I, I think I'm, I've, I've got a tremendous amount of rapport with my students just because of that reality of, you know, having to take the UTeach program and pivoting into a new career, um, but with a bit of transparency, though, so families can understand that connection there and gain trust. So I, I skipped over a question I want to come back to now. Um, why, when so many teachers are leaving the program, okay? I sat on the teacher shortage task force for two years, and that was uh, the Joy Hoffmeister, uh, state superintendent, and then a bunch of education leaders and business leaders and people in industry coming together to figure out how we can impact this teacher shortage. And, and this was one of the ways. I don't know how many other schools are doing it. But bringing in professionals, getting them certified, this was one of the ways. And so I'm really proud of us. But the news is filled with teacher shortage still. Uh, uh, you know, why are you guys coming in now when so many people are exiting the, the field of education? What is it that, that is drawing you in still? Elizabeth, let's start with you. Okay. I think for me... I mean, Epic has such a unique model. And so I really value, I have a little boy. I really value the flexibility just of the Epic model that I'm able to go, you know, to a field trip with him or that I'm able to still see his school activities um, because of that flexibility. It is a little bit heartbreaking to me just, you know, that, that so many people are leaving education. Like I said, my, my parents were in education and I told you, I almost switched to education in college. And my dad said, no, don't do it. He said, you, you know, dealing with the parents and dealing with the politics of it, like that was kind of his whole reasoning. And so I love that I've gotten back into it and then I get a chance to make an impact. I think Epic just provides so many benefits from the flexibility to even just our pay structure and how if we do a good job, we're going to see rewards from that. And so I think it also encourages us to, not that we wouldn't do a good job anyway, but you know, you definitely want to make sure your students are achieving and, and succeeding. And so I think the Epic model just really makes it nice for someone to get back into education. And I do love that I have my certification. So if I ever wanted to go teach in a traditional brick and mortar school I could but um what do you what do your parents say about it now are, are they around to see you uh, be a teacher yeah I, I, they haven't said a lot but actually my mom was one of the ones who encouraged me to apply for the Teach program okay and she actually has thought about should I go work for Epic yes she yeah, should. she's a retired teacher so she doesn't know if she can handle the technology part of it but <laughs> definitely Jamin, how about you? Uh, why are you here when everybody else is, is walking away? Why am I here? That's the question of the century, right? <laughs> I think, you know, for me, having a family uh, really made me think about my own mortality and the future of this world. And I feel, you know, the need to 
to transfer wisdom and, and how important that is in the education process, uh, it, it's so critical. And I think, number one, it's important to help young people begin to maximize their creative potential um, without repeating some of the worst decision making of the past. And I don't think that process happens just organically as we can just take a look around the world. And I, I think for me, you know, having the context of traveling around the world, pretty much seeing everything I wanted to see, and then coming back home and recognizing, I need to do something about my own personal community. I'm a part of this community. And so I thought, since my kids are a part of this, and you know, I live in this city, this is my, my town, why not take the initiative and do something practical um, within my skill set to make a difference? And I think that was kind of the driving force for me uh, initially, was just my family and thinking about the future. So uh, same question, but I'm putting a spin on it. I'm in two different education groups on Facebook, and all of them are talking about kind of the demands that their their unions are about to bring to admin, um, you know, uh, the work hours, the, I mean, there, there are just this entire list of cons to come to this job. What has you still here, Christopher? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think, Jamie, though, he hit a lot of the, the, the high points about it. You know, contributing to society, wanting to make this rather crazy world feel like a better place to know that we have some control, some impact on the future. I think those are, are very, uh, they're very fulfilling. They're really very fulfilling. And it's unusual to have a job that really rewards you like that. Um, but also I feel like, like education keeps calling me, you know, when I enrolled my daughter, there's a banner for a job. Um, when I travel, you know, there's opportunities and I think that has a lot to do with my values and what I seek out in life. You know, I think that everybody here, they share the same common value of wanting to continue to grow and learn and develop. And part of growing and learning is teaching, whether you're doing it formally like we are, or you're doing it informally. If you're if you're trying to learn, you're also teaching at some point. I love it. Uh, and and once you become like super familiar with the standards, anywhere you and your kid go is a learning experience. We're on a road trip and we're learning geography. We're at the zoo and we're learning about life science. I mean. It, everything is a learning experience. And I, I mean, I had my, my kiddos do a living history project the other day. Uh, and it's one of the podcasts, I think it came out last week, um, where they had a phone call with their grandparents and we were hitting government, uh, for my oldest, but also, um, the English standards, every single grade level has research and listening and speaking, um, as, as a standard. And none of those are taught in the curriculum and um, they're not tested standards so they kind of get overlooked but having a conversation listening and then being able to follow up and stuff like that I mean it was it was super cool and for my grandparents as well their great-grandparents getting to have a conversation with their kids uh, with their grandkids was super fun but anything can be a learning experience here it doesn't have to be taught out of a textbook uh, most most rewarding experience so far Christopher so my most rewarding experience is I've got this really just star pupil who is just outgoing and he's just, he lights up a room when he comes into the room. He's in third grade now. 
Uh, he's been with me for since the beginning, since I got here. And uh, I've got other third graders who are just, they're withdrawn and they're sullen. And I can put, it, it works almost every time. I put them in the same room and they eventually come out of their shell. It takes a little while. But they eventually come out of their shell. And to see that happen when it hasn't happened in public school or anywhere else before is 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 magic. I, I love seeing that. And it changes how they're able to learn, how they're able to interact with their fellow classmates. So that's a really rewarding experience. And I totally found that by accident. It, was, it wasn't planned. It was just it, I happened to have them together at one time. Like, oh, I can do this. This is something I can I can build on. I love it, and I love that that wasn't tied to standards. Perfect. Uh, Elizabeth, same question. Most rewarding experience so far? I think mine's just like a lump experience. It's just the the relationships that you develop with the students. Um, I love when you get an email from a parent saying, you helped my daughter so much, you know, with this. Or, you know, they made me little Christmas gifts or cards or pictures. I love those experiences, which I think any teacher, whether you're in brick and mortar or, or Epic, is one of the things that people love about teaching is just knowing that you're making an impact on those students and just getting to see them have joy. Yeah. And, and to know you're yeah, doing a good job. Okay. You'll get there. But I've now photographed two weddings for past students. And I just got to be a part of a birth of one of my past Ooh. students. So freaking cool. Like so freak. we just become, you just, you get to keep them. And so in, in the regular world, you may have them one or two years and I have to change, you know, to a different grade level or a different subject to get that kid again here. I mean, I've had kids for 10 years and it's been so, so rewarding, you know, when they move on and then they keep calling back. We've got a kiddo in the air force right now and has been, he's, three years into his uh, Air Force experience, and he's consistently getting a hold of us on Facebook to tell us more or to, to show how he's living the dream that we had too and uh, like just tying us back together. It's, it's super awesome. Uh, Jamin, most rewarding experience so far? Uh, obviously, teaching is rewarding, but you know I would have to say the most rewarding experience for me is just being able to be a present father and husband while, you know, simultaneously teaching without that nagging feeling that, you know, that ubiquitous work-life imbalance that so many professionals talk about. I don't feel like I have that. And it's such a tremendous blessing to, to have a clear conscience to know I can go 110%. Well, that's such a thing, but 100% both with helping my family and helping other people's families. It just gives me such a clear confidence and a clear conscience in what I'm doing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that, that it's a personal reward there. Um, and they all kind of are, you know, but um, family-focused reward, that, that's really awesome. And a huge problem in the world where people are feeling overworked and underappreciated. What a great thing. I have one. Yeah. All right. Well, my work most rewarding experience is we have support specialists that are assigned to a group of teachers. Um, Jody, Rendy, Amy, and Amanda have worked with these teachers. And the relationship 
between having someone who was a successful teacher in their own right lead a cohort of people that are interested in joining the profession and seeing the relationships between that teacher mentorship and then also the mentorship of the teachers with each other has been so powerful because so many teachers in the brick and mortar talk to me over my years about feeling alone, not feeling support, not feeling like they had um, what they needed to grow. And that has not been our experience in UTeach. We've really created a community of teachers that will share resources, that are willing to step out and say, hey, I'm not really that great at this one skill. Who in this group is good that can help me? And then let me look at what skills I have to offer you. And together we can both help our students. So absolutely, uh, this would never have happened without our fabulous support specialists. Uh, Dr. Jeff Keeney and Bart Banfield, our uh, superintendent and director of educator preparation last year, were visionaries in selecting these teachers. But truly, I think that bond between professionals and mentorship has been really a most powerful tool. Awesome. Well, and, and, and the cohorts, they really, at least for me, has been really a support. It's a group of people I can rely upon, I can call on, I'm familiar with them, I don't feel embarrassed asking them perhaps a silly question that I would maybe somebody who's been here a little bit longer. So they've been great. And, and Jody's been fantastic as well. Shout out to her. Well, I hope all of you feel like if you ever want to have uh, a different point of view, you can reach out to me via email, call me on my cell phone, whatever. Uh, I'm here for you as well, okay? That's one of the and, things I love about you, Teach, and just Epic in general, is that I feel like anytime I've reached out to a teacher for help or advice, everybody's so responsive and so willing to help and share resources. And so absolutely, it's a great environment. And that really goes up the chain. We have teacher development specialists and we have principals who have really wrapped around our UTeach teachers uh, to help bring them up to speed with the team because we have really high goals this year for our students. We want to see the pandemic in the past and we want to see our kids working towards the future in math and in reading and really just growing as, as humans and in their learning. And so, you know, the UTeach program is just a small part of the epic mission, but I love that the Epic family has really brought us into the fold and um, helped us so that we can continue to grow as a school and provide the best teachers in the state. All right. Well, tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world. <laughs>